I'd like to welcome all that might be joining us through live stream or watching this later. And we're glad that you could join us and, and take part in our service, and I pray that this will be a blessing to you. Uh, for sure, these are unprecedented times, things like we've never faced before. Um, this is going to go down in history on how it's been handled and just all that's going on. This is something that is very, very new. And things seem to be changing every day. Seems like there's constant news. Always something new, always some new announcement, some new statistic that comes out. And the problem is that it's not just constant, it's instant. It's too much news, actually. We're not made to process this much this fast. <laughs> and it can be kind of overload to our brain, overload to our, to our system, and it doesn't seem to stop. And in all of that, all that's going on, before we start for this morning, I want just to remind you of some things that we've talked about in past messages. That God is a God of peace. And we are a people of peace. We're not a people of fear. We're a people of faith. We stand on solid ground in faith in who God is. And that peace that He gives us triumphs over the fear each and every time. There is much that is out there to be scared of, and much of the world is fearful. But those who know Christ stand on a solid rock. And so I'd like to remind you of that, and if you need to, go listen to the messages or watch them. The links are on our site. So at this time that we can be still, and we can be at peace, knowing that God is going to lead us through this. Have faith in God and trust His deliverance and let Him, not Facebook, not the media with its endless onslaught, be your guide through this. Because He is the one that's going to guide us through. I say that because I believe that in all of this there's something for us to learn. Actually, there's much to learn in all that's going on. As if God is trying to teach us something. As if He's trying to get our attention in ways that He didn't have it before. Maybe He's trying to get us to slow down and start listening. And maybe it's been a long time since you've done so. I don't know if you're like me, but I thought this would all pass rather quickly going to be over it's going to blow over and we'll be through it in a couple weeks or you know maybe a maybe it'll hit home here a little bit and then pass on but it hasn't has it and the effects are now starting to to show more and more in different areas of our lives it's starting to hit home and we have zero control over it i mean think about it in just a few days our whole way of life has changed dramatically, hasn't it? Everything we know is kind of upside down right now. And many are left reeling and shaken and scared and wondering why. And I want to speak to that a little bit today. The title of the sermon is a question. And it's a question that only you know how it applies in your own life. And the question is this, is this a wake-up call? Is this a wake-up call? 
You should be in 1 Samuel in your Bibles this morning. I want to turn your attention to chapter 5. 1 Samuel chapter 5. We're going to read the first five verses there as our text for this morning. 1 Samuel verse, excuse me, chapter 5 and verse 1, and the Bible says this, And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the, Lord, before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Therefore neither the priests of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon into Ashdod unto this day. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I ask your blessing now on this reading. I ask your blessing now on this time together. Uh, that you would speak in ways that I cannot, and you would work in the ways that you see fit in the hearts and minds of all who hear this, Lord. Help us to hear, help us to see what you would have us to this morning, and, and to just lay our lives down before you and worship you as the God who you are. Again, I ask your blessing and strength to say what is needed and nothing more. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we read that, you might be thinking, what in the world are we reading this for? That's a little odd. It's a little off. Well, let me explain what's going on in this passage of Scripture, and then we'll apply it. It's amazing how you can come across things in the Bible as you read it daily. Just these little stories or these little sections that really kind of speak and apply to things that are happening today. The Bible's amazing in that way, the way it can be relevant, and the way that it can speak to just about each and every need in our, in our hearts and our minds. And this passage here has triggered some thoughts in my mind, and I'd like to share those with you today. So let's explain a couple things. The Philistines, there in verse 1, and the Philistines took the ark of God. They're the bad guys, if you want to call them that. Enemies of God's people, Israel. And the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, is full of battles between the Philistines. If you recall the story of David and Goliath, Goliath was a Philistine. So these are, these are the bad guys, if you will. And they have stolen something very precious and very important. The Scripture here calls it the Ark of God. They've stolen the Ark of God and taken it to their own city, Ashdod. Now, this is not Noah's Ark. It's the Ark of the Covenant. And quite honestly, some of you listening or some of you watching have only heard of this ark because of, well, Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the thing. If you, you take the top off, all these things fly around and your face melts off, right? I remember that. That's probably where you've heard of it from. Well, not quite. <laughs> we don't read of anybody having their face melt off in the Bible, but... It is a real thing, and it's very important. It's a very special thing. And basically, here's what it is. It's a box that's covered with gold, okay, made according to God's instructions that He gives them in the book of Exodus. And inside are some very special things like the actual tablets of stone that God wrote with His own finger the Ten Commandments on, among some other things. And 
In fact, it was the most special and the most holy thing in Israel. And here's why. Now stick with me. And this is why this is important. God told them to make it in a very special way. He told them to make the top very special. On the top were two angels and they had their wings outstretched and and facing each other. And in the middle of those angels was something called the mercy seat. The mercy seat. And that mercy seat was the dwelling place of God. That's where God was. That's where He met with His people. That was His presence with His people. That's what made it so special. That's what made it so holy. And all of the sacrifice and all of the worship of the Old Testament revolved around that one thing. Because it represented the very presence of God. God with His people. It was so special that only one person could go near it once a year to offer sacrifice for the sins of the people. It was not to be treated common. You couldn't touch it or you would die. It had to be handled in a very special way. It was holy because God is holy. And God is not common. God is not like us. God is not to be treated like us. He is holy. He is high. And He is lifted up. And He is worthy of all worship. And here, in this place in Scripture, it's in the wrong place. It's in the wrong place. It is not where it should be. Now think about that for a moment. This Ark of the Covenant, this thing that represents the presence of God, it is so holy because God is holy. And here, the Philistines take it and they put it in a pagan temple. You see that in verse 2, when the Philistines took the Ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon. That's what This Dagon is a false god. He's like half fish, half man. doesn't really matter because he doesn't exist. But it's a false god. It's an idol. And they take the very holy thing of God out of his house, and they put it in the pagan temple of a false god. And by putting the ark next to this idol, they're putting God on the same level. Or they're elevating the idols to the same level of God. In fact, they're trying actually to take it to use it as a good luck charm. It doesn't work like that. God doesn't work like that. This is wrong. This is blasphemous. This is disgusting. Bringing God down to this level or elevating man-made things up to His level, that is wrong and God makes it known as only He can. He shows unmistakably who He is. And He gives them a couple chances. Verse... uh, Verse 3, when they of Ashdod, that's the city, they arose and they went to the temple. This idol is fallen on its face before the ark of the Lord. God is showing, they can't stand in my presence. This is nothing. I am who I am. They don't get it. They put it back up and then it happens again in verse 4. When they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord, and his head was gone, and his hands were gone, and it's just a stump. (laughs) 
He has no power. The hands are gone. He has no wisdom. He has no knowledge. His head is gone. And it's unmistakable who they are dealing with. Well, long story short, they get the message. They send it back. Some things happen to them actually quite humorous if you read on in Scripture. So you may say, okay, nice story. But what on earth does that have to do with me? What on earth does that have to do with what I'm going through right here and right now? In this moment. How is that helpful? Well, let me share with you what struck me in this. If I may, I just want to make some observations about Christians this morning. I want to make some observations about God's people. I want to make some observations about society. In many ways, we have put God in the wrong place. We have taken God and put Him alongside other things. We have brought Him down. We have elevated the wrong things, and it is not good. It's not good. We can start in the church house across the country, the church house across the world even. You can look across the broad spectrum of Christianity, not just in America, but with, uh, in, in worldwide. You can see in churches, they have taken God out of His house. Well, how so, you may ask. Here's why I say that. In any, any given church, there's less and less Bible. There is less and less Bible, less and less doctrine and teaching. You may get a rotating series on marriage or maybe some end time events here and there, but not much else. After all, Bible reading, that's boring. Oh man, you're going to put me to sleep and all this doctrine, blah, blah, blah. You only got 30 minutes at most and most of that I I need to be laughing. You need to be entertaining me. Those boring sermons of 30, 40, 50 years ago. Who cares about the Old Testament? Why are we even reading in the Old Testament? I thought that was done with. You'll find that attitude in most churches. It's getting harder to find any church that calls himself Christian that consistently preaches the whole counsel of Scripture. You'll find people talking about books or events, but not much else. No, it's been replaced with entertainment. Church nowadays is more about visual. It's more about experience. How the building looks, what the stage looks like, how good the band is. A pulpit has become offensive. So as a suit, by that matter. (laughs) And perhaps people are searching for the wrong things instead of sound biblical preaching. It's more about what this place can offer me and the programs, and I want church to be like this, and I think the sermon should be like this, and I want a God who is like this. Something's off in all of that. And it has been for a long time. But I think that's evidence of something deeper, maybe an underlying condition within our own hearts. In the lives and hearts and minds of many, if not most, 
We've taken God down from a place of prominence, the place of preeminence, from top slot as Lord and Master, and we've put Him on equal playing ground with other things. We've put Him on the same level and importance as everything else in our life, even less than things. You see, God, in the hearts of many, in the hearts of most, I would say, God, the great I Am, is not the most important thing. He is not the most precious thing to us. In fact, we worship other things. We have other idols, if you will. Now, I'm not saying we have a a row of statues that we bow down to. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But there are most certainly things in our own lives that we place as the highest priority and the most precious to us. Things that we focus all of our attention to. Things that we bow down to in our hearts and therefore worship them. And if we lost them, our lives would be wrecked. And so we cherish them over God. And they are competing with God for space in our lives. They are competing with God for attention in our hearts, for our time. Let's think about it. Let's go for the easy one. Probably the top two or three reason most people don't worship God like they should. Our jobs. The money that it brings. The stuff we buy with it. All that's wrapped up in that. Now listen, I want to say right from the get-go, I understand the importance of a job and to provide for our family is biblical. And I understand situations can come up where we might be um, busy. But 99% of the time, this is out of place. This is above God. Can this be an idol? Oh, you bet. People are consumed with the bottom line of their paychecks and how much they can bring, and they want to add an extra zero to that yearly income. And we choose it. We choose to put this before God in different ways. Maybe it's forsaking the assembly of the church. Forsaking her gatherings and her functions. Sorry, Lord, but I want to work today. Yeah, yeah, I know, but you're going to have to wait because I'm busy. Or I want to enjoy my stuff that I got. So just hold on with your church, God, and wait for me. And don't dare... Don't dare start stepping on my toes and question me. Who do you think you are, God? We find more pleasure in the gain than in God. In the stuff rather than the fellowship of the Spirit. And we don't honor God with the gain that we do receive through offerings that we give back to Him. We're too busy to spend time with Him or to reach out to others who need the Gospel because we're consumed with our jobs and the stuff that it brings and the money that we gain. Oh yes, we worship at that altar. Make no mistake about that. And what's amazing to me is that while we do it, we throw His name on it. Look how God has blessed me and you can see the blessings because I have all this stuff and money. God is good because He gives me money. Yay! Oh, oh no, I'm not going to church. I'm not going to go to church. Give money? 
Are you insane? No, but God is good and I love him. That's the attitude of most. Hmm. As if he's a good luck charm or something. Oh, there's other areas too. Other areas that we put above God. How about our own health? People are scared to death of dying. They'll do anything they can to make sure they, they can be the healthiest they can and live the longest that they can. And death is the worst thing that can happen. So they take care of themselves above everything else. Just look around. The masks, the gloves, the hand sanitizer. People are scared to death that their health, which is so precious to them, might fail. What about control? Nobody tells me what to do. I'm the master of my own destiny. I worship nothing. Listen, we could go on and on through all of these different areas that we might place over God or might bring Him down from a place of prominence. And they could even be good things. You know, you could put your family above God too. Let me just say this. No matter what area of life it may be, I think it all boils down to one root issue. One main idol, if you would. Self. Self. In one form or another, I think that's the main thing we place over God. Ourselves. We've taken God and we've put Him on the same level of all these things that we think are important and we've made ourselves overseers of it all. I decide who's important. I decide who gets what opportunity. I decide when they are important and when they are not. We do what we want. We do what we want when we want to. We have things our way. So a church better fill my wants. We have a God, we want a God who acts like I want Him to, who accepts any attention I might give Him, any worship I might give Him, whenever I do, and be happy with it. You understand? God's on my terms. And you better bless me all, to, all the time. And you better give me all the grace all the time. It's almost as if we think God exists for us to be at our beck and call. That is blasphemy. We are created to worship Him. The first commandment says this, Exodus chapter 20, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Oh, that's the Ten Commandments, man. Didn't that go away? Nope. Those Ten Commandments stand till the end of time. God is God. We have no other gods before Him. We worship Him. And there is no negotiating about this. Have we forgotten who God is? Have we forgotten our place? And maybe all of this that is going on right now is a wake-up call. A wake-up call for us to set things straight again. Now listen, God can be gentle in His reminders. Maybe you've had some of those in time past in your own life. Maybe He's given you a warning, a job scare, 
a health scare, something that caught our attention and kind of snapped us back. And maybe we got right for a while. Maybe we put him back in first place like we should. Maybe we learned from it and got on the right track and stayed on the right track. For a while, at least. In our account here, it's like the first time when God knocks the idols down. They should have got the message then. Maybe you've had warnings in your life that you did get the message then. But most likely... After a little bit, once the fear went away, and once everything kind of settled down again, we put those idols back up. You see, it's not bad times like this that are the enemy of God's people. It's the good times. It's when everything is good, and we're comfortable, and we're living a life of ease. That's when we forget God. That's when we start placing things above Him. Maybe you've had those reminders in your life. And God can work in gentle ways like that. But listen now. God can work in more intense ways. Ways that catch our attention and hold it. And perhaps what is going on right now is a wake-up call on a massive scale. God knocks the idols down and destroys them in this account. Showing they have no power. They have no precedence over Him. He alone is God. He alone deserves full worship. Listen, in just a matter of a few weeks, God has brought the world to its knees. And he hasn't done so by a world war. He hasn't done so by some impressive natural disaster. It's been by a microscopic virus that we cannot see. And everything has changed. Our whole way of life upended. The way we interact with one another, the way we go about our jobs, everything has changed. And those idols that we worship, those things that we hold so dear over Him, one by one, they're toppling over. You think this is so important? Boom. You worship this more than me? Boom. You're holding on to this for dear life? Boom. You see, they have no power against what's going on. I think we've seen that, and right now all we have left is God. It's Him. <laughs> think about it. What if it all goes? Your job, your health, all of these things. What if it all goes? What do you, and you have nothing left. What are you going to do? What are many going to do now that the churches have closed their doors and there's no stage, there's no lights, there's no pounding music? It's just you and God and a Bible now. Is it still going to be real to you? Or will your faith fail because perhaps you've been looking for the wrong things? 
The economy is tanking. People are losing their jobs left and right. We just had massive layoffs within my own company. Just about 100 people at my location alone. That makes the ground underneath your feet a little shaky if you're standing on the wrong ground. And if you've spent all of your time and all of your energy and all of your existence on that, and that defines you and you are so consumed with the money and the stuff, what are you going to do if it's all gone? And now all you have left is a reliance on God. Or your health. Or your comfort. What do we do when it seems like all of this is out of our hands and beyond our control? Because it is. And all of these things we have put so much importance in in our lives and so much of our lives is crumbling left and right. The hands of the idols were gone. There's no strength. The head was gone. There's no wisdom. The same is happening. What do we do? Let me answer that for you. You put God back in His place. You put God back in His place. This is a wake-up call for that. This is a wake-up call for us to realize that Maybe we've been bowing down. Maybe we've been worshiping. Maybe we've been giving top slot to the wrong things. To the things that in the end are not God. Your job cannot save you. Your health cannot save you. Your control, your whatever cannot save you. They cannot deliver us. They can give us no lasting peace. Only God can. And in the end, they have no lasting power. In the end, they fall on their face before Almighty God. I think, beloved, He is reminding us who He is. He's reminding us how much we need Him. And it's time to turn back to Him. It's time to bow on our face before Him. Time to worship Him for who He is. Nothing else in your life is more important. Nothing else is more precious than God our Savior. And I think it's time for us to wake up. I hope we start listening. I hope we get the message. You ever listen to your parents? They tell you something. I remember when I was a kid, mom or dad would say something and, yeah, yeah, okay, I got it. And then you don't do it. (laughs) You heard it, but you didn't follow it. Usually that was followed up by discipline. So you would get the message, right? Maybe we need to get the message from God. Maybe we need to listen. Sundays come around. Midweek service comes around. We need to be in church. We need to be in our place. We need to be ready to hear from Him. Ready for the communion and the fellowship that we have with Him and each other. We need to be worshiping God in His house. In our homes, the Bibles need to be opened. They need to be read. Before you had excuses. You were too busy, remember? I'm too busy to read the Bible. I'm too busy to pray. Now you're not. Now you've got time. All of us got time. It's almost as if God said, hey, I'm tired of that excuse, taking it away. So now, use the time. 
You don't need to binge watch seven seasons of God knows what. Turn the TV off. Put the cell phone down. Open the Bible and get to know God. You have the time. And let the hope and the peace that only God can give take deep root in your heart. Get to know your Father. Talk to your Father. Lay it all at His feet. Tell your children what's going on when they don't understand. Why can't we go here, Daddy? Why can't we go here, Mommy? Why can't I shake hands or hug people like we used to? Tell them why. And then tell them about the peace that God gives. And the strength and the deliverance that God gives. Or ignore them and scroll endlessly on Facebook. Because, listen, ultimately, our faith, ultimately, our foundation and our stability in this life is in God and God alone. The salvation that He provides through Jesus, the eternal life that waits for us after death, that is the solid rock on which I stand and all other ground is sinking sand. I think it's high time we got back to worshiping God for who He is. You know, society needs this wake-up call too. Sadly, many people will feel the effects of this. They'll feel the fear. They'll feel the loss that they might experience. And they're going to try to use God as a good luck charm. Like, hey, I'll throw up a couple prayers and we'll be good. No. That's not how it works. You're missing the point. You see, the Bible tells us we can know God personally in a relationship where we call Him Father. A relationship that comes through knowing and placing your faith in Christ who died for our sins. And the hope that He gives us that is eternal, that is unfading, Because He saves us from our sins and gives us eternal life. Something this world cannot touch. A peace this world cannot touch. A blessed assurance we have because we trust in God of all creation, who is our Father. The world needs to see that in us. Will you tell them what they need to know? Or are you running around scared like all the rest? Ah, we're all going to die. Don't touch me. Or are you loving them? Are you telling them about God? Is your feet planted firmly on the foundation of Him so that they see and hear peace in you? I think it's a wake-up call. I think it's time we listen. You know, there's many people asking, is this the beginning of the end? Is everything going to end now? Is Christ coming back? Well, I don't know, maybe. Which is good news for me, because that just puts me closer to seeing my Lord and Savior. Maybe. 
You could call this a plague of biblical proportions, to be sure. <laughs> Nothing quite like this. I see things I don't like happening. For now, churches have closed their doors and they're willingly being cautious, and I understand. At the request of the government to not have gatherings, I get it. Yet at the same time, Planned Parenthood is open and deemed an essential service. I don't like that. It's wrong. And it would simply take one stroke of a law to keep that in place. Sure, there are things I don't like. Sure, there are things I can focus on. But here's what I choose to focus on. You see, this could be a chance for a revival. This could be a chance for a revival, a turning back to God. I truly think God is saying not only to America, but to the world, hey, wake up, pay attention. The question is, are you listening yet? I don't want anybody to lose a job. I don't want anyone to get sick. I don't want anything bad to happen to anyone who is listening or watching or any of you. No. I want all this to stop and I want life to go back to normal, I guess, as we call it. I want it to go back to normal again. And it will. This will pass. But what I do want in my own life, and what I want in yours as well, is for us to put God back in the proper place. Him above all. So maybe we need to listen. Maybe it's been a while since you thought about your relationship with God. Some people, well, most people I would say, are, have a tendency to only think of God when things get going tough. When's the last time you thought about your relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with God? You know, He loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for you. We're all sinners. We're all fallen from grace. We all face the judgment of God for our sin. But Christ came and He died on the cross so that our sins can be forgiven and we can have eternal life. You can be saved from your sin. You can be saved to eternal life because God loves you if you would simply believe that Jesus died for your sin. If you would place your faith in Christ, all that can be removed and you can have peace and hope that cannot be diminished. A hope and a peace that does not fade. Why am I calm during this storm? Why am I calm even though I could contract the virus and even though I could die? Because if that does happen, I know where I'm going. My home is in heaven. And the minute my eyes close in death, I open them in the presence of my Lord and Savior in perfect peace and perfect joy. Not because I'm good. Not because I'm a pastor. Not because I've been in church for all of my life. No. One simple reason. I cried out to faith in Jesus and He saved me. And you can have that same hope too if you would turn from your sins and trust Him. Perhaps it's time you start th started thinking about that. 
Maybe you've put some things before Him. Maybe you've put some things above Him. Take them down before God knocks them down. Your job, your wealth, your health. Yes, those are blessings from Him. But never are they to be more important than Him. Nor worshipped as your everything. God is your everything. And He alone is worthy of our worship. So maybe it's time we wake up. Maybe it's time that we take this rest that God is giving us and draw closer to Him. This will pass. It'll be over. But the question is, will we learn? Will we listen? Will we take the opportunity to worship Him for who He is? Listen, only you know how this works out in your own life. I know it's opened my eyes to some things in my own life. I find myself praying constantly, always praying, like I always should have. I find myself in total reliance, just praying for peace, and Lord, You lead and You guide, and I'm trusting in You. Well, that's like I should have always been in the first place. Some of this is causing me to wake up in some areas of my life. The question is, how about you? We'll close in prayer. Father, I, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I pray that you would take these words, use them as you see fit to whoever might watch, to whoever might hear, and to our own body here, Lord. You know the tendency of the human heart to, to worship the wrong things, Lord, and we've all slipped in gone after and, and cherished the wrong things other than You, Lord. Please help us to come back to You. To lay all the, the blessings that You have given us, all of these great things You have given us, to lay them at Your feet and to honor You above all of them, Lord. I pray that You would help our hearts in that. And Lord, I pray that You would protect us from this virus, that You would cause it to end and the spread to stop and that we would go back to the way things were, Lord, but with a change in our hearts. That instead of forgetting You, we would worship You and exalt You to see how You have guided us through all of this and how good that You are, Lord. Again, use these words as You see fit. We praise You. We thank You. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.